Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio, show number 254, Improving Relationship Dynamics, Satisfaction and Progression for Women in the Workplace. So today we're going to be talking about how women compete with one another in a different way from the way that men compete, leading to particular challenges for women at work, especially in male stereotypical workplaces. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working with the Engage for Success movement leading on digital. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use uh, the link at the top to join our newsletter list. If you tweet, then please share your thoughts using our hashtag, which is hash E4S with the number four. And come and join us in our LinkedIn group. If you just go to LinkedIn and search for Engage for Success, you should find us there. And all the social media links are at the bottom of the homepage on the website. So um, really pleased to have you joining us today and really pleased to introduce uh, my guest today, who is Dr. Mari McLeod. So hi, Mari. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. It's great to be here. Excellent. So tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do. Okay, well, I'm a biologist. Um, I started out studying animal behaviour. So I was into studying dolphins, whales, and then monkeys, a lot of monkeys all over the place. Um, I did my PhD studying monkeys in South Africa, looking at the reproductive strategies, so kind of following monkeys around the forest every day and see what the guys were up to and how they were getting off with the girls. Um, then I, I came back to the UK and I started some reproductive strategies of my own. So babies came along and I couldn't really carry on with field work. So then I became a science journalist, kind of writing mostly about human behaviour as it happens. I started off with monkeys, but then moved quickly onto humans, looking at um, attraction, our mate preferences, how we behave, our relationships. And I've been doing that for quite a long time now, so about 15 years. Um, time flies and um, I realized after a while that I've accrued a massive amount of knowledge about human relationships and why we do what we do and it's it's really helped me in my own life Um, and I decided that I wanted to kind of impart some of this this knowledge that I've acquired from you know going to conferences and you know talking to lots of academics about the research over the years. Um, I started running some workshops for people on the what I call the science of attraction and relationships. So we were talking about personal, you know, romantic and sexual relationships, first of all, and how we can use a knowledge of our biology and our evolved psychology um, to kind of help us in in those relationships. But now I've moved on to realising that I can do the same with work relationships too. Um, So it's kind of, you know, I'm on a mission now to to help people improve things in the workplace um, using this evolutionary approach because we really need to take into account our evolved natures if we're going to find effective ways of helping people at work. Um, and there's very few people looking into this. So I think it's the big new thing. Mm. I think as well, when we originally spoke a few months ago, I was saying about how it's it's such a sort of topical um, area of work as well, but also fraught with lots of difficulties, I, I imagine, around, um, you know, treating people 
uh, sort of equally but differently <laughs> and I, yeah. I love the fact that you're actually you know this is based in science so it's not that you're just sort of randomly throwing stuff out this is actually as, as you said you know ev evolutionary um, and so we can't really argue it with it can we yeah absolutely that's that that's the idea um mm -hmm. kind of looking at peer, proper peer-reviewed science and looking at the evidence and the evidence does suggest that you know we have some evolved propensities you know obviously um culture and our environment massively amplifies or reduces those propensities but you know our um our genetics um have a, have a big impact too mm -hmm. um, basically you know it's all about working out why we do the things we do you know you and i and and everyone listening we have all come from a long unbroken line of ancestors who were all good at surviving long enough to have children and have those children survive long enough to have kids of their own you know if that weren't the case we wouldn't be talking about this because yeah. we wouldn't be here um but so what, what that means is that we, we all have kind of um inherited behavioral propensities to be kind of good at survival and reproduction you know and that holds true even if we're not planning on having babies you know we have that option nowadays because contraception is available but we still kind of you know have a way of um dealing with relationships that's connected with you know um increasing our genetic legacy even if you know, we're not sort of consciously trying to do that um so what that means then is if we can understand why we're behaving and feeling the way we do um we can predict what's likely to happen in particular circumstances and we can change our environment accordingly mm -hmm. um or we can learn to avoid problems. You know, we're not slaves to our evolved natures in any way. You know, one, one example I often give is the fact that we've evolved a, a propensity to really love sugar and fat in our food, you know, because in our evolutionary past, there wasn't much of that kind of food around. You know, we had to kind of get as much of that, you know, lovely fruiting tree as possible um, when we, we had the opportunity so that we could, you know, keep our energy levels up. But nowadays, obviously, we have, endless access to sugary fatty food and you know we have that evolved propensity to want to eat it so m many of us overindulge but if we understand that it's bad for us we shouldn't be doing it we can try and take steps to avoid these <laughs> these bad foods i mean mm. obviously it's not easy because we we've um, got these urges but um it's the same with uh unhealthy behavior and relationships too we can learn to avoid those as well so there's lots of ways we can, you know, kind of use the knowledge of, of why we behave the way we do to help ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, so and one, one, yeah. sorry, no, carry on. And I was, I was just about to say one thing that that we find when we look at evolved propensities is that men and women have evolved to be a little bit different, mm. you know, over the time because of different pressures and priorities. Um, so that was uh, leading me on to my next question, really, which was especially with against the background of um you know creating sort of equal opportunities and 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 not treating men and women different in the workplace from a sort of being fair point of view um in reality as you've just already said you know men and women are actually different um and that needs to be taken into account i always have the sort of uh, discussion with people that diversity is so important in our workplace but in some ways we almost seem to be trying to homogenize everybody because we don't want to be unfair to people and and so it's a real fine line isn't it between those two things so so tell us um in what ways men and women are different well there are a number of ways um but i agree with you we have to be fair to everyone and i certainly don't think that you know there are any occupations that should be barred from either gender um you know 
saying that we're different doesn't kind of justify kind of um, discriminating against either men or women. Um, you know, we, we do have slightly different tendencies in, in certain respects, but there's for each gender, there's a whole spectrum of behaviour, mm. you know, and it overlaps massively. I mean, it's like if you, you know, no, no one would dispute the fact that men tend to be taller than women, but that doesn't mean to say that all men are taller than all women, you know, and it's yeah. the same with behavioural things. So there's a spectrum for both that overlaps. Um, and so, you know, no kind of men from Mars and women from Venus, really. But there are some small differences on average between the, the genders. Um, one of these, for example, is personality psychologists consistently find that women um, have a slightly higher score in the personality factor agreeableness. Now, agreeableness means that you um, are better understanding other people's points of view. You take into account other people's feelings a bit more. Um, you're more empathetic, perhaps higher emotional intelligence. Um, I think this comes down partly to the way women compete with one another, which I'll, I'll go on to in a bit. Um, women need to be highly sensitive to other people's feelings and intentions. Um, so we've evolved this slightly higher agreeableness on average. I mean, you know, there will be some women that are more like men in that respect and vice versa. Mm. Um, and so, as I said, competition is another area. We don't tend to think of women as being particularly competitive, but we are just in a different way from men. And... Mm. This can create a lot of issues for women in workplaces, particularly with a culture designed for men, you know, and that happens in a lot of places. So let's explore that a bit more then. So what what does it look like, this culture designed for men? Um, and, and then, you know, let's sort of go back into thinking about um, how men and women compete, because you've said that it's different. It'd be good to look at yeah. both sides, wouldn't yeah. it? It's kind of come about over evolutionary time because because of different pressures on men and women. And basically, men compete over women, as we know, over sexual access to women, and they fight each other physically. Uh, men are much more likely to kill a person than a woman is. Um, men do this, um, well, they fight with one another, but they're also good at reconciling with one another. And that's partly because men tend to need to come together to form coalitions to fight you know, the group on the outside, you know, other communities. And mm -hmm. um, this is in, you know, uh, evolutionary time, but also in many respects today, even if we're not fighting in wars, you know, it kind of comes out in football matches or rugby matches or or, or even competition between organisations. Yeah. And men gain through taking risks and trying to get high status because the guys who gain the highest status and gain lots of money and everything they they tend to be more attractive as sexual partners so basically they do better in a biological sense they they get more sex basically <laughs> um it's a very different story for women women have different pressures on them so over evolutionary time it's all been it's been about survival and making sure your kids survive that's what's given women biological success um women don't tend to become more attractive by gaining high status and fighting, um, you know, and it doesn't happen nowadays either. Um, and even if they did, they're not going to be able to sort of just produce more babies just because, you know, they're attracting more guys or anything. Um, and also, it doesn't benefit women so much to take big risks because, you know, if, if a woman was to fight physically and, you know, get injured or killed, you know, her, her babies would die, certainly in evolution, you know, in, in ancestral time. Yeah. Uh, and, and even today, you know, it's going to be a really bad thing for her kids if, if she can't look after them properly. 
So we have evolved a different way of competing. You know, most women don't tend to th think of themselves as competitive. You know, we're really nice. We, we don't compete with other people, but we do. We just do it in a, a kind of covert way. We're quiet about it. So the kind of competition that goes on with women is, um, you know, gossiping, bitching behind each other's backs, mm -hmm. social exclusion, you know, um, freezing somebody out. Um, it's basically the safest way to compete because often our competitors won't know that we're doing it. You know, we can always pretend that, oh, you didn't mean anything by that, you know. Um, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that we're doing this all the time, but this is this is the form in which competition takes place. Yeah. It does take place. Um, and of course, because of that, we don't want to have other women bitching about us or socially excluding us. So, so that's why we've evolved this this high level of empathy, the, the high high score and agreeableness, so that we can be very very sensitive to other people's intentions and feelings and know what they're kind of up to. Um, another way that women compete is by keeping everyone at the same level. You know, we we punish superiority. We don't like it when one of our group gets ahead of us. So, you know, we try and pull her back down. Um, and, and also this means that we tend to minimise our own achievements so that we don't look as if we're trying to be better than everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just imagine, you know, two women friends playing tennis. You know, one of them, you know, whacks the ball across the net. The other one is left scurrying. She loses the point. What does the winner of the point do? She doesn't go, yeah, yeah, I'm the greatest, you know, like a man <laughs> might do. She goes... Sorry, didn't mean to. It was just a <laughs> we sort of play down our achievements, you know, because we're we're trying to keep at that same level, so yeah. that you know we won't get kicked out by the other women, basically. Yeah. Um, so so that 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 can be a problem. Another thing is that women with high status, you know, like the popular girls, um, they don't tend to want to ally with lower ranking women, basically because. It doesn't benefit them. You know, I, I like to go back to monkeys, you know, having started out as a primatologist. <laughs> monkey girls, you know, rank is so important to them. You know, a, a monkey girl's place in the ranks depends, you know, determines what help she'll get in fights from, from her allies. It um, determines who's going to groom her, whether she gets the best feeding spots. But the, the highest ranking females just don't come to the aid of the lower ranking females because there's no kind of benefit biologically speaking you know, that the lower ranking female can't do much for her and it seems to be the same with women um there's you know a lot of evidence suggesting there's, there's research evidence suggesting that um high ranking women don't help and collaborate with low ranking women as much as they could in the idea and some of it uh, is cultural for sure um but some of it comes from this this way of, of competing with one another so it's it's very useful, I think, to kind of know where it's coming from. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I saw I listened to this thinking, wow, it's fascinating, and also thinking, oh my god, it's confusing my brain too much <laughs> <laughs> because it all seems, you know, you, as soon as you said about the um, the you know popular thing, I thought, oh, you know, I've got an eleven year old daughter. I've heard all the stories about that sort of thing, and then of course you then take yourself back into when you were at school and remember that, or when you were in the workplace, and and it all sort of. You know, you, you remember all that too. It's um, it, it, it's it, stuff, it? <laughs> yeah. It sort of it, it tries to explain it, but then it also just sort of makes you feel it's all that more complicated uh, as well. Um, and so you mentioned about the workplace often being more uh, male oriented. What what sort of characteristics do you mean there? Um, 
Well, it, it's it's kind of it's set up for men in the first place. You know, men were the first to get there, if you like. Yeah. Um, because men tend to they form coalitions, um, they, they get together in groups a bit more readily than women do because of this different way of competing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's the the sort of you know male culture of you know networking, going out for drinks after work, or you know, playing um, golf or that sort of thing. Yeah, golf, yeah, mm. golf, whatever it is, um, rugby club, um, all these kind of things. Men, men do like clubs where they get together with their own, and, and they try their best to keep women from getting into these clubs. <laughs> some of the time. Yeah. Um, but so, so, so women have you know, there's a number of ways in which it's difficult for women in, in workplaces like that. Um, and uh, but, but you know, if if we know what they are, then we can do something about it. So, for instance. Um, you know, if because there's there's this covert competition. You know, women are incredibly sensitive to each other's intentions and to yeah. everyone. So, so women are very very sensitive to criticism, particularly from other women, in fact. Um, and also, as a result of this need to keep an eye on each other's intentions, you know, we have evolved this this high level of empathy, which is great, and it really helps in a lot of respects in a lot of jobs. You know, especially nowadays where so many jobs, um, you know, are people jobs, and yeah, well that. But it also means that women will tend to be kind of less assertive and less competitive in their work role. And as as I emphasised before, you know, this is women on, on average. There will be obviously exceptions. There'll be mm. some very very assertive, um, more sort of masculine women in, in terms of the work role. Mm. Uh, and then because of the drive to appear of equal rank, women will. Tend to tend to play down their own skills and expertise. They don't value the expertise of other women. They want other women to be nice. Um, so this is obviously going to mean that women's achievements tend to get overlooked in a kind of competitive male culture sort of situation. Um, and as I said, high-ranking women are not that inclined to collaborate with lower-ranking women. Um, and research suggests that women on the whole aren't that keen on women bosses. So as a result of all this women, particularly in male-dominated environments, are less inclined than men to cooperate and collaborate in large groups in the way that men do. Although in saying that, it can happen. You know, women are perfectly capable of doing that if they are in a group where they can really trust each other and if they sort of feel as if they, they're of equal rank. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of not trust, really. Mm. So I guess a big question is, is how do we do things differently? I, it's, it's funny when you talk about sort of the you know, the groups, and I mentioned the golf. I remember I, I, my, I started my career in um, a supermarket organisation, and so that was, you know, um, 30 years ago. And I remember the regional HR um, person was female, and she played golf. And I, I, she, somebody, I think, had said at some stage, you know, you need to do that because it was a very male-dominated environment, you know, retail at, at senior level and she played golf which meant that she knew you know all the pivotal people because that's what they all did as well and it was almost like that was the strategy to do it now that's sort of trying to fit into their world as opposed to doing things differently um yeah. how how do we do things differently now but also given what you've said which is that the, the the senior women are less inclined to help the more junior women naturally so how, how do we do things differently moving forward now 30 years later we don't have to go and play golf surely <laughs> yeah I think I think it's a mistake to sort of try to be more like men I mean you know why not do it our way basically um, 
I mean, I think there are a number of ways we can sort of increase the level of trust among women working together and also kind of level the playing field a bit in terms of rank, you know, because as we've seen, women of different ranks aren't getting on so great together. So if we can find a way of levelling that out in some yeah. way, then that, that could go some way to helping. So, you know, one potential way, if, if you're working in a team full of women and there's you know, boss women and more junior women, um, you could perhaps have weekly meetings where you get together um, over lunch or something and have a discussion about a sort of predetermined subject that's nothing to do with work at all. You know, it could be some kind of personal issue like how to handle menopause or how to deal with teenage kids or what it's like to give birth or, you know, some kind of area that's nothing to do with work where potentially junior women could have more experience than the senior women. And, and for a period of time, um, you know, the person who's got the knowledge might not be the one who, who has higher rank in the workplace. Yeah. And I think, and also that that's got the potential because, you know, maybe about personal issues, it's got the potential to engender sort of trust. You know, it'd be a feeling of, you know, what's said in this room stays in this room kind of thing. Mm. And you're revealing vulnerabilities to each other. And that's, that's obviously, you know, going to build up uh, a sort of hopefully a, a feeling of rapport with one another. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are other ways to do similar things. I mean, um, at one workshop that I ran quite recently, somebody suggested, why not have a, you know, once a week, take two names out of a hat, you know, two women. It could be, you know, a senior woman and a junior woman or, or any combination, um, but people that might not normally speak together outside of a work context. Yeah. Get them to go together for half an hour and just have a chat, get to know each other. Um, if you kind of kind of get the backstory of, you know, of your sort of team members, then there's a lot more chance that you're going to have a feeling of bondedness and trust with them. Mm. Um, there's, there's all sorts of things, you know, the kind of uh, team bonding exercises where you're doing kind of scary pursuits where, you know, boss woman might might be really scared of abseiling and need the, the kind of help and support of her, her juniors. And that's going to kind of build things up as well. Yeah. Um, there's another sort of chemical means of... Um, of building trust. We were discussing this before we came on about um, endorphins. Yeah. Endorphins are um, they're basically the body's natural opiates. They're feel-good chemicals that make us feel really high um, when we have high levels of them. And it also has the effect of if we're doing something within a group, it makes us feel kind of bonded with the, the other members of the group. So various activities um, can increase our endorphin levels. Um, for example, laughing together, you know, if, if you're sitting in a comedy club with loads of people, you, you feel pretty warm, you know, when you're all laughing together. Um, in, in great contrast to if you're on the outside of the joke, you really don't feel part of the group at all. Mm. Um, another one is um, synchronised exercise. Um, you know, if you're doing aerobics or, or you know, synchronised dancing, um, that can produce the endorphins. But I think one that would be relatively easy to do in the workplace would be singing together. If you had a, a bunch of women that worked together and you wanted to help them feel more cohesive, more bonded, more, you know, sort of working more effectively together, you could have a, a, a singing session once a week. It sounds a bit silly, um, but actually research suggests it really works. I don't think any research has ever um, looked at this with just women, um, but certainly with men and women, it's shown that it increases um, cohesiveness of people working together and um, and productivity. 
So, I mean, you're in a choir, Joe, and so am I. And I certainly know that, you know, when you're singing there and you're doing harmonies together, it makes you feel really nice and one with everybody else in the group. And, and um, you know, that's, that's another way that, that people could help increase increase levels of yeah. performance. Yeah, I absolutely love, you know, the, I started singing for well-being purposes because uh, I didn't want to do yoga and meditation. So, you know, that in itself is useful to know that then that helps the bonding um, yeah. is great. Other than our committee, I think you need to go and tell them that we're supposed to get on better. <laughs> um, it's interesting, isn't it, how we are better at communicating with each other naturally, as you said, you know, that empathy piece. And yet yeah. we have to facilitate these opportunities because we don't do it. It's funny, isn't it? It's a real sort of, um, I don't never can remember the words. Is it a dichotomy or something? Is that the right word? <laughs> but, you know, the fact that we, we are really good at doing that, but we don't do it for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I guess because we've kind of fitted into this sort of pre-existing work structure, um, we don't have those opportunities, but we can certainly make them, especially mm -hmm. if we know that that's what's going to help us. Mm. Um, so what about more women in in the boardroom i saw an article um last week of p of comments made from some research that was done around getting more women onto boards and some of the comments you know like all oh, the other men wouldn't like it or um it's got very, we get very complicated um discussions in our board um and you know most most women don't understand and uh, you just think we're in some sort of dinosaur age aren't we yeah. <laughs> of course women are every bit as capable as men in dealing with complex issues I, I saw the, those articles myself and um one of the comments though interestingly was um women just don't want the hassle and pressure of the boardroom yeah and i thought about it and it sounds ridiculous. Of course, women deal with hassle and pressure all the time and we're perfectly capable of, capable of doing so. But it did make me think um, how many women actually want the, the pressure of, say, working an 80 hour week that's necessary to, to get into sort of top executive level and, you know, at the detriment of all their relationships or their personal projects, um, mm. their family. Um, I actually do think women want something different. It's not that they're not capable of being in the boardroom. Um, but they wouldn't, don't necessarily want to be working all the time. There are other things in life. And I do believe that um, because of our higher agreeableness scores, in general, women tend to want different things from their lives. You know, it's a sort of existential thing. Really. Um, for men, it, it's on average, you know, there are men that are, are more empathetic and all the rest of it. But on average, men tend to be more focused on getting high status, making money, doing whatever the hell is needed to, to get that whereas women tend to want a more balanced life mm. uh, we want um, that work-life balance um so i don't think you know i think it, it's right that women should be in the boardroom absolutely and it's going to benefit companies to do that because they'll then they'll benefit from you know women's emotional intelligence and and it, it evidence definitely suggests that it hits the bottom line massively to have mm. more women but I think in terms of how to do that, I think um, the way to do it is to make it more attractive for women, make women want to be in the boardroom. Mm. Uh, and that means being a lot more flexible about work, um, allowing people to work home sometimes, having part time jobs that are at a high level and um, not just, you know, low paid part time work, but at top level. Um, and also things like, you know, obvious things like having on site high quality childcare. That's going to make a difference. Hmm. Um, you know, if, people, if women don't have to then 
totally compromise um, their, you know, their family lives mm. in order to be at a high level. Um, there must be something in there as well about um, the the levels of empathy and therefore the levels of energy drain that can be in a room of, you know, mainly men sort of scenario. And I don't mean that in a sort of critical way of men, but, you know, you're saying women pick things up more naturally in in general um if if they're trying to work with a whole group of people who are completely different to them maybe mm-hmm. there's a, you know some sort of energy drain so when you're saying women want more balance maybe it's it's something to do with the atmosphere as well in the way that decisions are made yeah, i think definitely the, we need to have a, a culture change in the boardroom you know yeah. less adversity, more listening to each other you know mm. to take out of women's book basically leave the eagles at the door if possible mm. um, that could probably help a lot yeah hmm we could talk about this for um hours <laughs> and i'd love to get you back on because uh, i'm sure there's there's a ton of stuff that we haven't even got anywhere near yet and our half an hour's up i told you it would go quickly <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so we need to get you booked in to come to come back next year because um, we're booking into 2019 now. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, I, I think this this topic isn't going anywhere, is it? It's uh, it's it's going to keep yeah. fascinating us for for years to come. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Laurie. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Cheers. Lovely. So um, just to let you know, next week we've got Tony Latter of the Happiness Index uh, talking to the other Joe about the future of staff feedback. So we look forward to speaking to you then. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.